we're gonna we're gonna do a little quick review um i don't know if we have any slides up but we'll see here in a minute there they go and um i had this this picture here i'll show you that picture real quick this morning so most of you saw that um that's your pulpit minister in case you didn't know he was getting ready to go to brazil he trained at great cities missions where we where we work and um uh, I didn't tell you, but in our offices at Great Cities Missions in Addison, we have pictures of a lot of the missionaries that served for us and lots of teams going everywhere. And um, every time I'd walk by there and I'd see Gordon and Isla and little Claudia, I'd always smile and, and kind of chuckle because my wife and I, Georgia, we've known them for so many years. So it was kind of fun to have that picture up. And I wanted you to see that. I told you guys this morning that that uh, I thought that picture was adorable, and, and Gordon is almost adorable, but not, not quite. You know, he's not that good, but, but uh, I wanted to be sure and share that with you. And we had a long uh, time working together at Alameda, our sponsoring church in Norman, Oklahoma. And George and I were there, and we got to meet Gordon and Isla. He was working on his Ph.D., and Isla was real active at the church. And um, we got to know him there, and... Uh, we started a small group. I shared that. We, went, we, we started a small group, and we had a lot of the university students from OU, and we had an apartment right close to the campus while we were waiting to go back to Brazil our second time, and we launched the small group, and the elders had us launch small groups there, and Gordon and Isla and Georgia had a big group over of, of uh, OU students um, at our apartment, and we had a, a big old room over there, and, and uh, we had a swim pool and trees, and it was really beautiful. And so we were able to work together for a long time. And then I mentioned this morning, I thought it was significant. We had 12, 12 small groups when we first launched them. And then after George and I went back to Brazil, um, Gordon and Isla took those to the campus, and they started, I believe it was eight groups with uh, student leaders and, and so it was really significant to see that growth of the small groups and see the impact. And, of course, later then, when we came back, they went to Brazil. So that was kind of how we knew them. We knew them before that, too, but um, that's when we got to spend a lot of time, time with them, and it was really, really a great time. I was thinking about missions, and, um, of course, we, that's what we, we think about and work on every day is missions and mission teams and uh, planting churches in uh, Spanish and Portuguese-speaking countries. And um, <clears throat> we've known a lot of people here at Preston Crest. I didn't mention that this morning, but we knew George Miller, of course, through the years in missions. And then Kelly Grant uh, and Julie, you know, they were, they were on the, uh, the Chile team, Santiago, Chile, a beautiful place. And that was one of the first teams that we visited when we went to work at Great Cities. And so we got to see them. And now he's my boss. Can you believe that? He's the executive director of Great Cities Missions. So you guys really did a good job of raising that guy up so he could really do something significant when he got back. And we also knew the Hydrics that were missionaries for you guys. And uh, we've known them for a long time. And uh, we know their daughter, Angela, and Joel go to church here still. And their little ones. And then one time we had a great, great time. I don't know if you still support them, but I think you do. It's the Russos in Athens, and uh, my wife, um, she's Italian. Her name is Giannopoulos. No, that's Greek. I was just kidding, but we, her dad took her and her sister and her uncle to Greece because that's where their family's from, and I got to sneak in on a week. I couldn't go for the whole two weeks, two and a half weeks, so I kind of got, I had enough miles, and I just kind of showed up, you know, and said, uh, hi, I wanted to hang out for a week or so. 
with you guys in Athens, and we got to see where Grandma lived and her Grandpa and, and all that. It was really fun. But what was really significant, we got to go to church in Athens, and we, we got to meet uh, Dino, and, and I think it's Diane, isn't it? Diane Russo's? Huh? Debbie, I was close. Thank you. And uh, boy, they were great. We went out after church, but we really liked the church. I mean, they had an English-speaking church. They had a, um, they, they had a, a Greek-speaking uh, church, and then they had a group of people that had migrated in from another country, and they had a third worship, and it was really, really significant. I almost felt like it was like Acts chapter 2. I mean, all these people from all over the world and different countries, and, and Dino and Debbie were really, really nice. We enjoyed our visit. So we've We've kind of interacted with some of the people that you've supported, and we really appreciate what you do in missions. And uh, again, I think it's exciting that you have so many today that are out uh, on the field in medical missions in Houston uh, helping people uh, after the problems that they've had there. And that's really, really great to see a church that, that's doing that and making a difference in the world. And, and uh, at Great Cities also, I wanted to mention, we have, we have Christy Lestarge that works there at Great Cities. And she's the assistant to the executive director, Kelly, and she's a great encourager there. We enjoy having her, and of course, she's a member here too, her and her husband, Mike. So we've, we've enjoyed that, that, that connection and, and, of course, to missions. You know, um, this morning, so most of you were here, and I want to do just a quick review just to catch the idea, and then I'm going to try to do some practical things. It'll be kind of like part two, and I might even have you write some things down. And we'll kind of we'll kind of take some of the things we talked about, we'll review them, and then we're going to do some little practical things um, if you would like to. I won't force you. I won't twist your arm. But uh, we talked about First um, Peter three fifteen, and the idea of of reaching out to people, sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And and you had that series. We talked about that, uh, the series on neighboring, good neighboring. And uh, I mentioned this morning, but something funny happened besides the, what I mentioned this morning. I watched the whole thing, the whole series, because I asked Gordon, and, and he didn't tell me, of course, how many, how many were in the series. So I watched them all afternoon. My son left. We had watched the World Cup game, Brazil, and, and uh, he left. And so I said, I got to get in there. So I started listening to the series, and uh, I got through the, all of them but one. I mentioned that. The next morning, I listened to the other one. And it was so funny because it just really impacted me to hear that idea of loving our neighbor as ourselves, of thinking about our neighbor and, and trying to reach out to them and, and show our love and concern for them and hopefully have a chance to share something about Christ and what he means in our life. What really, really got me was I was there writing and I got tired and I, I thought, I'm going to take a break. And my sons and I, we'd been putting up a wrought iron fence in our backyard. We, we moved into this house. And so we were putting in a wrought iron fence. And I was walking down the back, and I was looking at all the fences because they were all the same, wrought iron. But the land's kind of all over. So I was trying to figure out, well, how do they put that together? And how do they get it level? And you put the line out and all that. And I ran into this guy that lives uh, the second house down. And I, I, I was talking to him about how should we lay that out? You know, we were just talking, carrying a conversation. And later, I realized I had never introduced myself to him. He has two kids, and we knew his little son, but we never, we never knew them. So I was sitting there, and I'd already finally, in the last six months since we moved there, finally, like Gordon was talking about, I knew. He said, well, if we're to love our neighbor, what's your neighbor's name? You know, and sometimes that's hard to get. And so 
I was kind of happy. I thought, well, at least I know the neighbors on both sides. And the good part is I haven't forgot their name yet. That's great. That's, a, that's getting ahead. So I was pretty excited, but I hadn't met the guy down. And so after I was going through those messages, I thought, I'd seen they were out there talking, and one of my next-door neighbors was down there talking to them. They're all about the same age. They're all they're young professionals. So I thought, I'm going. So I just, out the house I went. I said, I'll be back in a minute. I went down there, and they were having a beer and closing out the, the weekend. And uh, I just went up there, and I said, hey, I forgot to introduce myself. I was talking to you the other day, and we haven't even met. And um, I know Scott here, my neighbor, but I wanted to get to know you and say hi to you. And I met his wife, and we got to talk to his kids. And so uh, that message really, those messages really impacted me because it, it even got me thinking more about my neighbor, but going beyond just being friendly and saying hi and building a good relationship and hope, hopefully being, having the opportunity to share with them about Jesus, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, 1 Peter 3.15, he said, but set in your hearts, uh, uh, but in your heart, excuse me, set apart as holy acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives as Lord. And so he talks about that idea, and we went through it really well this morning, uh, about the idea of acknowledging that Jesus is Lord, setting him apart in our lives, and thinking about he has made an incredible difference in our lives, and if I'm to love my neighbor, and that's the second most important commandment, I would want to share that with them when I have an opportunity. I, I would look for opportunities. And then, and then he talked about in the second part of 1 Peter, he said, always be prepared. Be ready to share when you have that chance and someone asks you about your faith. Or they ask you, how, how do you get through those storms in life? How do you, you always seem to be, you know, happy and things don't seem to get you down. And you seem to have some inner strength or some inner peace or things like that. And when people are having struggles, often you'll have that opportunity to share something with them. And uh, so that's the idea. He says, always be prepared. He doesn't say some of the time, but always be prepared. And then finally, he says, when we share with people, uh, same verse, he says, do it with gentleness and respect. And so he says, be sure and be gentle with people, show respect for them and the relationship that you have and share in a good way that will build upon that relationship. And so those were some of the things that we talked about. There was one more thing, was a covenant. Let's look at that real quick, because if you weren't here, I wanted you to see that. I wanted to encourage you to think about this covenant, and um, it's just kind of like saying, I want to keep that in the forefront. I want to be thinking about people that I care about, and so I'm going to make this little covenant with myself, uh, a covenant with God, and I want to kind of remember how important it is. And so it just says, realizing that God has called me foremost to love him and my neighbor, I make the following commitments. Motivated by love and gratitude for what God has done in my life, I want to be involved in sharing Christ with others. I share the belief that people need the Lord and as lost people and and lost people matter to God, they will also matter to me. I'm committed to demonstrating God's love to my neighbors to those around me and sharing the good news of the gospel as often as I have the opportunity. I will work to cultivate relationships within my circle of neighbors with the goal of blessing them and sharing Christ. I will introduce my neighbors to Christ, my Christian friends, and my church who will help me bless my neighbors. 
By the grace of God and for his glory, I commit my entire life to obeying his great commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, wherever and however he leads me. And so what a great, great commitment that is. I think, you know, it's just like a promise. It's just like saying, God, I want to do this. I'm not sure how all that works out and what are all the components of that. And I've never done this before, but I want to pray about this. And I want to think about my, my neighbors, those that are close to me. And I want to try and, and, and have an opportunity to encourage them in a, in a spiritual way in their spiritual lives. So those are some of the things that we covered. Um, I wanted to now try to bring some of those in about the idea of let's get ready to share. Let's get ready to share. How would I share with someone about Jesus Christ? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at a couple things that we have here, and I'll just repeat them a little bit, and I wanted to go and take another step. And so we'll talk a little bit about one of the things is consider a few sharing styles. We talked about that quite a bit. And I'll just read them real quick. Uh, confrontational, intellectual, testimonial. They have a, a person that goes with each one of those. Impersonal or interpersonal. Let me get that right. Invitational, like, like the Samaritan woman. And serving, Dorcas. And you remember it said about her that she served everyone. And, and, and also said that she loved to serve the poor. And so those are the, the kind of styles that we see that often we have that we're, we're comfortable with and we can share things about God with other people. And it says a couple things that are important. One is identify your own style so that you feel comfortable thinking about how would I respond to someone? How could I share with them about Jesus Christ in a way that, that feels natural to me? That's, that's the idea. And then we can think about what's the personality of the different friends that I have. What kind of interaction, what kind of style would help them to, to meet Jesus, to think about their spiritual life, and uh, hopefully become more interested and connected to him. And so we, we shouldn't limit ourselves to one style. And uh, also we should think about, we can bring others into, uh, in, in with us to share, and people that have different styles and different ways of, of doing these six different styles so that we could reach out to others. And so that's, that's what we were looking at um, this morning, that idea. And, and I wanted to go to the next part, which is write your testimony. When you see, when you see on that paper, there's going to be a, a part there about share your testimony. And um, I wanted to look at these three parts, and Paul tells about his testimony. Um, I think it's real important that, that we, we think about our testimony. That's that's how God's worked in our life. So it, it, Paul, Paul broke it down into three parts. My life before Christ, uh, how I came to Christ, my life after I came to Christ. So he breaks it down into three different parts, and he tells his story so that he can share that about how, what happened in his life that brought him to be a follower of Christ. And so that's really important. Gordon said in, in the lessons, one of them, in the messages, he said, you should be able to tell your story or something about it in one minute. And I, I was thinking in a story like this, it's a little bit longer, but that's significant, I think, because you could almost say, like, be ready to share in a, in a concise way each one of those points about your spiritual life. But you could choose and only share one. You know, like, why, why did you become a Christian? And you, you share that in a concise way. Um, 
what, why do you follow Christ today? What difference has he made in your life today? And so that's another one of those, those parts. Uh, well, well, how has it changed your life? And you could go into that third one and share how your life is today after meeting Christ and following him and becoming a disciple. And so that's the idea of telling our story. And so we put some lines in there, some blanks in there, and I want you to start thinking about that. I'm probably going to give you a couple minutes to even write down maybe just a bullet point, a few bullet points about your life before Christ. And so he, he was sharing and he said, the Jews, this Acts 26, the Jews all know the way I sought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. Acts 26, 4 and 5. And so he told, he, he thought, remember, he was serving God, and he was very zealous. He was one who really wanted to get out there and do something for God, but he, he didn't understand uh, that he was working against God. He was working against that he was opposing Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. So the question is, my life before Christ. And so think about that just for a, a minute. And um, I would like you to maybe put down a couple bullet points on that, on that sheet. What was your life like um, before Jesus Christ? Just, just take a minute, and I'll stop just for one minute. We'll talk a little bit about it. you were able to get a few points there and then the idea is you can take this home and in your own quiet time you can begin forming that information and that and again that should be according to your style what how would you answer someone um, as they talk to you you know how for example if you're working with people that that are, are not followers of Christ then then you can think about your life before, and that's a great connection with people because you can share, this is where I was at before Jesus Christ, and uh, then, then go to how I became a Christian and my life after I, I came to Christ. So um, anybody want to share any points or no? Gordon said I could kind of do this like a class, kind of like a sermon, mix it up a little bit. I didn't give you a warning ahead of time, but I do have an extra mic if anybody's feeling brave. Huh? Prideful. Okay, good. So sometimes we're prideful. Think that, you know, we, we, we maybe we don't need God right now and everything's going well and we're, we've got it together. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, living for the world. Thank you. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, living for myself, the things that I want to accomplish, the things I want to do, and those kind of things. So good, those are good, really good. So you can, you can build off of those. You know, I was thinking, uh, in my case, I was raised in a Christian family, um, but my dad, he was raised kind of like a non-practicing Catholic. He was from a Portuguese family, and so they, they of course, believed in God, and, and uh, they did do some things uh, periodically, um, but, but he, wasn't a, he, he wasn't living out his faith in any way at that, at that point when he met my mom. Um, I was baptized at 12, and I remember this guy was preaching kind of a meeting in the old, old style that we used to go to, and, and I remember, man, it, it really hit me, and I started thinking about what he, what he said. I went home, and I'd already been thinking about it a while, and I told my dad I thought I needed to be baptized. And my dad sat down with me, and he studied with me. He'd, he'd really become a disciple, and, and he knew the Scriptures. And he shared it with me just to be sure that I understood. And uh, then I remember that was a really a great moment, that young, and to follow Christ. But also, um, I kind of drifted away in high school and college. I kind of got distant from God, and I kind of had in my mind, well, when things you know, when I get down the road a little bit, I'll quit doing the things that I want to do, and I'm going to come back to God. But, but it was kind of, I would kind of go every once in a while. So that was kind of my story, kind of a little wild and crazy and out there, and, and uh, really knowing that I needed to connect back with God. So how I came to Christ, that's, that's a few things that, that you could share, um, and from your own story. How I came to Christ, on one of these journeys, now Paul's continuing, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Then I asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. And uh, so he he begins to talk about how he came to Christ. He tells his story of how he came to Christ. And uh, let's just take a minute and make a few bullet points about how you came to Christ. Maybe it was someone who encouraged you. Uh, maybe it was a time in your life when you were really looking towards God and seeking God and those kind of things. Just take, we'll take a minute and uh, put a few bullet points. share? Anybody got one or two or so that wants to share how you came to Christ? That's a little hard to do short in a short fashion, but you might have something you want to share. Yeah. Oklahoma and a lot of tornadoes and going to the shelters and knowing that you're at risk and that 
your life is not, you know, in God's hands, perhaps, and you're not sure what's going to happen. That, remind, that makes me kind of smile because I was telling you about my dad, and he'd been studying with my mom and some of her brothers. She had about nine brothers, and they would get him around the kitchen table, and they'd kind of start these spiritual discussions, you know. And uh, mom said that we had in, in uh, California, where we were from, they had a terrible earthquake. And they said that the streets were just going like that. And the telephone poles were just going like this. It was one of the worst ones that they ever had. And she said that that earthquake actually threw my dad out of bed. And she looked down and she said, well, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not injured. But he said, you know what? I think it's time for me to be baptized. (laughs) So, so, same kind of deal. He said, it's time to Get serious about this. I've been just kind of waiting, and that, that was the close. Yeah, right back there. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Great, that's good. So that intellectual part and getting into the scriptures and checking it out and testing it and it, and it stood, stood up. That's good. Anybody else? All right. I was, I was thinking for me real quick um, that uh, George and I got married and, um, and Georgia had always had an interest in spiritual things just from going to, to, uh, to Sunday school with her friends, but she never was part of a, a church when she was growing up. And, and she always had that desire. And we had a little baby, um, you know, later on, and, and Tony, and we had to go to the laundromat to wash our clothes. And so my mom would take Georgia to the laundromat, and um, they wouldn't sit in the laundromat because there's a lot of people smoking. You remember back in those days? And uh, she said, we got to get our little boy out of here because the smoke's bad. So they would sit in the car and talk, and they had little Tony in the back. And uh, I remember Georgia telling the story that, my mom started talking to her a little bit about church, you know, and sharing with her a little bit. And Georgia said, well, whenever, whenever I kind of feel like I get my life together a little bit better, then I'm, I want to go to church. And, and sometimes a lot of us say that at first, you know, we're thinking, well, if we can kind of get our, our life going in the right, right direction, then, you know, we'll be ready to do that. And my mom shared with her some of the scriptures, some that we even looked at this morning, and she told her about how to become a Christian and uh, all of that. And they talked through it. And it was Wednesday night. Can you believe that? Wednesday night. And so guess what happened? Georgia came home and told me, I'm going to get baptized tonight. I studied with your mom today in the car. And I'm going to get baptized. And, and I was kind of like a good Christian. You know, I said, remember I was telling you, I wasn't really connected in there too well yet, even though I was wanting to be. And I started counting the cost with her. Well, you know what that means? That means you got to go to church every Sunday you got to go to church every Wednesday. You got to read your Bible every day. You got to pray. And she goes, yeah, yeah. And so uh, that night at, at the service when they had the invitation, she went forward and I went forward too and rededicated my life after we had talked and after she encouraged me. And so then we began to serve in, in that little church. And later we had an opportunity to go to Bible training school and then it somehow it worked out, which wasn't our plan. It was God's plan. We, we became missionaries in southern Brazil. And so that's, that's how I, that's how, that wasn't exactly how I came to Christ, but that's how that defining moment when I really kind of made the decision for me as an adult that I was going to follow Jesus Christ. And, and if he's real, then I've got to, 
I've got to follow him. I've got to, to serve him and do everything I can uh, to follow him. And so that's kind of how it worked out. The third one, my life after I came to Christ. I was disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea. Uh, I was not disobedient. And to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove uh, their repentance by their deeds. And so Paul begins to talk about that, my life after I came to Christ. And, and we all know, we've studied a lot about Paul's journeys and, and his conversion, and it radically changed his life. He was one person, and he was still the same person, but he, he really changed the focus in his life, and he really became a disciple of Jesus and began to share that with other people as he was called uh, by, by God and, and by Jesus Christ. Take a minute and put a couple points there. Uh, how's your life after you've come to Christ? share been doing pretty good since I didn't give you any warning yeah amen happy to be redeemed yeah yeah thrilled to be saved that's that's great what a great feeling huh we, we remember that that feeling that moment anybody else yeah. I think I'm more content, more meaning than you had before, and, and some other good things. Great. All right, so we can, we, can, we can think about the difference in what our life is like now that we come to Christ and uh, how, how significant that is for us. And so my testimony as a Christian is the story of how God has changed my life. That's all it is. It's just sharing uh, how God has changed my life. The second part Testimonies can be a powerful tool uh, for leading others to Christ. They're moved by your story. They're, if you're their neighbor, if you're their friend, and if it's people that you know by first name, people that you spend time together, they're moved by your story. They appreciate that, and they're looking for honest and good 
good things about their, their spiritual lives. The third thing we talked about this morning, reflect on your circle of neighbors. Now, we don't, I'm not going to go through all that, but it's, it's just the idea of we have four different groups of people that we're close to. I would just say those people are my neighbors. Those are the ones that we spend time with regularly. We know all their names. We know usually what's going on in their lives, whether things are going well, whether they're having challenges. And so what I wanted to do is, is I wanted you to take just a minute again. And, and again, you may not finish this, but I'm just trying to get the ball rolling. And I want you to fill in who are five people in your family that you have an opportunity probably to share with if you made that a, a focus in your life. Who are five neighbors? And again, it could be two or three or one. Uh, you know, um, we're not going to check this when you go out, so you're okay. Um, coworkers. Who are coworkers that you really hit it off with and you have a close relationship with and that you could share something about Jesus and, Christ and the Christ in your life and how it's made a difference? And who are some of your closest friends? Just take a minute and write down whoever comes to mind um, that, that you believe you can do that. I would keep that list and, and reflect on it, and maybe you'll think of some more people, and then I'd, I would pray about it. Pray about, God, help me to interact with these friends of mine, these special neighbors, this circle of neighbors that I have that are close to me all the time in my daily life. We share life together, and, and I would love to have an opportunity to share with them about, about Jesus and the difference that he's made in my life. So go ahead and... and um, you can fill that out and um, later on work on it some more. But that gives you a focus point to think about who it is that you most likely could share with. Number four, connect your neighbor to Jesus, other Christians, and the church. Um, we'll see that on the next slide, I think. And I had a few extra things that are a little different. I was thinking like, like at home, we could invite neighbors to our home for lunch or dinner for meals. And uh, we could open our house for events. And they talked about Levi, you know, they said that was a Levi party because he just invited uh, his friends, his tax collector friends, pro probably some people that were uh, followers of, they were, they were spiritual people. And uh, I think today sometimes I'd call that a block party. Where we, where we were living in Frisco, we had a lot of block parties where people would come and they'd set up something, they'd get a jump house and they'd have a, a weekend deal. And what a great opportunity to meet people and build relationships uh, in our neighborhood. We can also welcome people to our neighborhood. At work, we, we could invite coworkers, uh, got some of those up there, to lunch. We could try to remember coworkers' birthdays, uh, put them in your Outlook calendar. That's the only way I'll remember. Uh, Offer to take food to co-workers who are, who are ill. Uh, offer to pray for co-workers who may be suffering. And always set a good example as a Christian. So those are some things that we could think about and try to move forward and be conscious of those things so that we could have the opportunity to share what's most important. Um, at play, we can use our hobbies to get to know people. If we go to the gym, if we ride bikes, if we fish. Um, if we do crafts, if we go to Bunko or whatever, we can use those and build relationships with people too as we go and uh, hopefully be able to share with them. Um, 
at church. We talked about we can invite people to our bring a friend activities. Um, I think other things that we talked about are sermon series that fit people's needs. Um, also felt needs, things that are challenging people like in family and marriage and parenting and finances and celebrate recovery and those kind of things. Small groups, what a great place. It's so natural to invite people to small groups. If you're in a small group, it's neutral grounds where we can invite people and they can come and they can hear some scripture, they can meet some people in your group and um, they can, we can pray for them. And uh, it's a great opportunity to reach out to people. I think the only thing that we miss sometimes is we, we often just use it as a point of fellowship, and it's not that more difficult to invite people that are around us to think about those neighbors on that same list and say, well, I'm going to invite them to my small group, our small group. We're going to have them over, and let's just see what God does in their life. And so th- that's a real good way to connect with people is, is doing that, is thinking about our small groups. There's some other things. When people will go to church, most likely, like Christmas and Easter, and being conscious of that and reaching out to them. Uh, number five, remember, evangelism is a process. And, and we know as, as we look at 1 Corinthians, and, and I won't read it tonight, but it talks about sowing, cultivating, and harvesting. And so it talks about that we get to participate in one of those three ways often, And so we might be sowing the seed and sharing, like if we're sharing with people that are close to us, we might be cultivating and helping them to come further along in their spiritual life. And then someone, something may happen and and the harvest may happen and conversion may take place. But as we see in that scripture, it's it's God who, who causes that growth. And so most often, God and the Holy Spirit work through different people and series of occasions. And so I noticed that on the mission field, when you have certain events that happen in certain ministries, a lot of times it was interaction with different people and several touches where God would work, and then all of a sudden they were interested in becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. It wasn't necessarily just that one time, uh, time with them or that one word I said, or someone said, or that one study, but it was spending time with them and different people interacting in that way. Number six, make sharing your faith a lifestyle. Um, is, is that before, what's, what's before that one? Can you help me out here? Was that, sh- yeah, that one there. I wanted to kind of start closing out with that. I want to tell you one story, and we're going to close. But, um, this is from that book, Sharing Your Faith. Um, it's called Out of the Salt Shaker. It's really a well-known book and going into the world. And this lady, as I mentioned, wrote a, a book summary about it. And I only shared the last part, but, but this is where I kind of want to kind of close out and start bringing everything together. It says, so often we look at, at evangelism as a program, something we are to learn about and do it for a certain time. This book really made me realize how important it is to live Christ, a Christ-like life. We are created in God's image. Once we become his child, we must display characteristic traits of him, of, of Jesus. People are looking for genuine love and friendship. And being a child of God allows and demands that we live that kind of life. And thinking about a family member or coworker and seeing them as potential royalty... 
was an eye-opener for me. Everyone wants to be valued and have worth. If we begin treating those around us as, as either royalty or potential royalty, people will see Christ. And then the one that we shared this morning, we need to study and have answers for our beliefs, but we also need to meet people where they are, value them, work with them from their belief systems, and then lead them to Christ. Evangelism is a program. It's not a program. It's a lifestyle. And so it's a lifestyle that we develop where as followers of Christ, we want to make an impact and share how how God has made a difference in our life. The next slide reminded me of of, uh, thinking about sharing your faith and reaching out to others. And there was a small group in Brazil, and there was a lady that was in that group. Her name was Dona Lourdes. That's the way they'd say it, like, like Senora Lourdes. And she worked for a school, and she, she was a janitor. And I would imagine she was lucky if she made $100 a month. This is way, this is like 20 years ago, but still not, probably wouldn't be too far out there. But she worked there every day, and she had three boys. And her husband left her, left her alone with three little boys, and she raised them all by herself. And, man, this lady, she had some grit. I mean, she was, she was really something. I really liked her a lot. And she was in this small group, and um, she was always, you know, really having some challenges because of finances, but also her oldest son was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and he would, he would take his medicine for a while, and then he'd end up on the street, and then someone would go get him, and they would take him to a place, and they would try to get him back on track, and she always had those complications. One of the stories I loved was she found a little boy on the street, and there's, there's a lot of street kids in Brazil in different places, and he had, um, he had mange, that like dogs get, I started saying Portuguese, and she, she saw that, and she took him home, and she just said, I'm going to take him home. She got some medicine. She treated him, and he got well, and then she said, I'm not sending you back out on the street, and she just kept him, and she already had three boys that she was really struggling to take care of those boys. She was really something, so finally she said, well, I've got to move out of my house, but she was telling the small group, but I don't have anywhere to go. I can't pay rent, and they're going to make me leave this house, and so I don't know what to do. And would you pray for me? That's all she said. Just pray for me. So she'd come back the next week and she'd say, hey, I still wanted to remind you that I don't have a place to go. I don't have a house to live in. And I still got a couple of my sons at home. And I don't know what to do. But my, my oldest son, we got together and we, we were able to buy this little piece of land and we we're just barely paying for it together. And what we're going to do is he's going to build a house on there and then I'm going to build a house on there. We can live on the same, same lot, you know. And probably the rest of them later on would come too. So she kept saying that. Would you pray for me? So this went on for about a month and a half. And one of the guys called me, that one of the leaders in the group, and he said, you know what? She's been asking us to pray for her and that she needs a house. And I think we've been missing it. God's been calling us to build her a house. We should be building her a house. And so they put together some funds and they just bought this little two-bedroom prefab house where you just buy it, it comes out, it's ready, and you just put it together, and there's Donna Lurgis at her house. And it was really so touching to see her, her sons there and uh, doing all they could to work, and then to see uh, them come back to church, and then see her daughter who had about five kids and had a really tough life, seeing her come to church the last time I was there, and I believe it came about because of sharing, because of people that were willing to reach out and share and make an impact uh, with people and with the whole family. And so it was a great, a great blessing to witness that. 
The last thing that I, that I would mention is remember that God is responsible for the re- results. And uh, this is a great passage. I just want to read it, and we're going to close. What, after all, is, a, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. Here we go. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes everything grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. And so God calls us to witness to our neighbors, to share Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and through our lives, speaking with our lips and leaving the results up to God. And so we're called to share that good news. But isn't it great that it isn't all up to us? Isn't it great that we can share why God's made a difference in our life, why we follow Jesus, and then leave it to God and see God work through these different networks that we were talking about this evening? So I hope that will encourage you as you think about sharing what really matters. And I want you to go home and finish your homework. Uh, think about the ones that are closest to you, the, neighbor, the neighbors in the different areas that are closest to you. Think about your style and think about the style of the people that you hang with and how it is that you could probably share about Jesus Christ and begin to make that a focus in your life, being someone who doesn't just demonstrate Jesus, but also is willing to share about Jesus, to speak about Jesus in your life. Um, this evening, we, 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 we're going to have an invitation, right? I've got to check with you. We're going to have an invitation, and, um, you know, maybe you've been studying. Maybe you, you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, and we never know because so many things are going on, especially in a church this size. We always like to have an invitation and encourage everyone. Maybe you need prayer in your life about something, and I know this church is here to, to encourage you and to serve you. And so uh, if you have a need tonight, we'd, we'd ask you to come as we stand and sing.